songs and teaching Sunday school. It's a blessing. We have a minister's meeting tomorrow night, and last week I got the, the agenda from our, from our lead pastor. We have a good leader who leads us well. So thank you, Leanne, for that. It takes everybody all working together as a team. And so I stand before you this morning humbled. And I trust that we can praise God, worship Him this morning. As you all, most of you are aware, we are working at our house currently. Uh, January 30th, we moved out, or 31st, and January... Sorry, December 31st, January 1st, we had a work day. A couple guys from church showed up, and we made dirt. We made dust. But I tell you what, it was a good team spirit. I wasn't there doing it myself. I had other comrades getting dirty with me. As we were uh, tearing apart stuff on the second floor, um, it was, I remember where I was. I walked out onto the back porch Andrew uh, Castle stepped back into his, into his tool bag, and out of his tool bag, he pulled a jar. And he said, hey, Zach, I, I found this jar. Uh, thought I'd let you open it, give you the honors. So, <laughs> I laughed. I said, oh, that's going to tell me where the treasure's hidden. I put it with my other stuff and forgot about it. But two or three days later, I said, like, ah, the jar. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, went and opened it up, and... Pulled out a newspaper article, and as I unwrapped the newspaper article, there was a note inside. And on that note, it said, look for treasure in the walls. <laughs> I, I, I chuckled to myself, and I just sat there and looked at it for a while. What would you do if you found a note that said, look for a treasure in the walls? I started looking. <laughs> and I spent several hours looking. And as I went down in the dungeon of, of the cellar, the cobbed webs and moving concrete pieces and stones, I said, why am I down here? But I kept looking. There was, it was actually signed by uh, three people, three people's signatures from the early 1900s. This, this is legit. So I did my homework, and I found out it's a two brothers and their brother-in-law that signed it, and their ages matched up. I went digging into their archives, the records, and found their birth dates. I did my due diligence. I wanted a treasure. Now... What kept me looking? I spent hours looking for the treasure. What do you think kept me looking? Hope. Yes, hope. Maybe? Just maybe? I mean, I could really use a treasure about now. Where was my hope founded in? I had hope that I would find a treasure, therefore I did due diligence to look for the treasure. Where was that hope founded in? Or what was it? Okay, the note, but it's just a note. It's just a paper. How do you know that has anything legitimate? 
Any other ideas? The promise? Okay. Yep. Promise is something ahead. I like it. Anything else? The expectation of money. Okay. Okay. What I'm hearing is all anticipation for something to come. But was there anything in the past that my hope was founded in? Did this ever happen before? Aha. I've heard those stories. I've read books. Somebody found a treasure. Or they were, on, uh, you, you hear about it in the newspaper and news, you know, somebody's going through their house and they find a treasure in their attic. There's been stories in the past. I said, maybe I'll be one of those stories. You see, my hope was founded in stories that happened in the past. That's what kept me going forward when I was down in the cobwebs getting dirty and had to put a mask on as I was digging for my treasure. So this morning, I want to talk about hope as I think about looking for my treasure. What is hope? Anticipation for something to come. Hope is a longing, a desire of maybe, just maybe, something will come to fruition. And I see hope as being tied to faith. My last message, we looked at active faith. This morning, we're going to look at patient hope. And in Romans 4, I had referred to this passage when we looked at Abraham and observed his steps of faith that he was taking. It was tied with hope of something to come. And in, he, in Romans chapter 4, it talks about Abraham, many verses of the, the he was, uh, it was counted unto him for righteousness because of the steps of faith that he was taking. And then in verse 18, it says this, who talking, speaking of Abraham, uh, he, it says, who against hope believed in hope. Okay, recall, what was God's promise to Abraham? I'm going to give you a son. How old was Abraham? You remember? He was old. Was that human reason to hope for a child at 100? No. That was going against hope. But he, he took steps of faith and he also had hope for God's promise to come to fruition. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider that. He staggered not in the promise of God through unbelief but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And that is what Abraham's hope was founded in. Glory to God. So as I think about hope, it's an anticipation. Going back to faith, I often look at faith as an action. We talked about it, active faith. It's taking steps. When we're unsure, we're taking the next step of faith. It's an action. I look at hope as more of a mental state. You see, 
when life gets discouraged, when I was down in the cellar looking for my treasure, uh, why am I down here? Hope is what spurred me on because I hoped that I would find the treasure. It was a mental state that kept me taking steps of faith. You starting to see a connection? Faith and hope work together. Faith is the action. Hope is the mental state. When somebody is discouraged and depressed, it's often because they've lost hope. They don't see any hope. Why would I take the next step? John Piper said, whenever faith in God looks to the future, it can be called hope. And whenever hope rests in the word of God, it can be called faith. So this morning, as we dig into hope, I want us to see, this is my prayer, Romans 15, 13. This is where my, my text, I guess you could say, is taken from. Romans 15, 13 says this. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I want us to see the power of hope so we set waymarks. Anybody know where the word waymarks comes from? Verse in the Bible. We're going to get to it in a bit. I want us to see the power of hope so we set waymarks. And we're going to get to that, circle back to that thought. My title this morning is Patient Hope. Now, what I'm going to quickly do is I want to look at a couple verses on hope. What is hope? What is it founded in? And then we're going to look at some stories, and then we're going to end with a way that we can build hope in ourselves. So come with me. Turn to Psalm chapter 42, first of all. The word hope is used about 130-some times in the Bible as we think about anticipation for something to come. We talked about love of God and and uh, Lee in, in the devotions talked about Jesus coming back to take us home, to take us to heaven. We live with that hope. So what is hope? It's described many times in, in the, the book of Psalms. Psalms 42 is the first one. And, and uh, David here is saying, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after God. Uh, verse 3, my tears come. Life is hard. Verse 5, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God. Where should we go when our life is in turmoil? Just go back to hope. Hope in God. And he continues on several times in that. Why are you disquieted, O my soul? And, and he ends with that in verse 11 at the end. Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Our hope for the future needs to be founded in God. Uh, turn with me to Job. Back a couple pages to Job. And we all know Job's situation. Everything was taken from him. His friends surrounded him. They tried to, to, to speak at him and encourage him. They didn't do such a good job. And in one of Job's response, Job 31, 24, he says this. If I have my gold, my hope, or have said to find gold, thou art my confidence. What is he saying here? If he puts his hope in his gold, 
his treasure, his money, nothing's going to be worthwhile. Continue on. In the end of the chapter, he, he talks, it's, it's going to be pointless. If I put my hope in gold, and brothers and sisters, that is where too many people put their hope nowadays. They try to structure their life in a way that they don't need any faith to live. And so they put their hope in their treasure, their material possessions, what they have. It doesn't work. And that's what Job is saying here in chapter 31. So that's a misplaced hope. Turn back with me to Psalms. Psalms chapter 33 this time. Psalms chapter 33 and verse 18. Again, we're looking at verses on hope. Where should our hope be? Where should it lie? 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy. Do you ever hope in the mercies of the Lord? The mercy of the Lord is faithful. And if we hope in that, he will, he loves that. That is what David is saying here. And then verse 22, let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Those who anticipate what God will do, who desire that God works in their life, those he will bless. His mercy is going to be upon them. Again, we're looking at what hope can do and where it should lie. Turn to Psalm 78 now. Psalm 78, verse 7. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. What is the basis for hope here? That they would not forget the, say it, works of God. What are the works of God? Things he has done in the past. So when we look back and see what God has done, that gives us hope, a place to put our hope in what he will do in the future. So David is saying hope is founded on looking back at what God has done. That's what I see. Too many times we look at the now, and that's hard to see because it's Sometimes not the fun part of what God is doing, and we lose hope. Therefore, we need to look back at what God did. The whole way through Psalms, I, I didn't even bother picking out a verse, David continually points to hope in the Word. You want to build hope? Be in the Word. I'll leave it at that. I don't have anything else to add. Proverbs 10 verse 28 is another one. Proverbs 10, verse 28. And here, the Song of Solomon is comparing the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Proverbs 10, verse 28. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Here's a word study for you to do. What's the difference between hope and expectation? Expectations can often uh, not hold out, and then we get discouraged. You ever have expectations on how things should happen? Expectations are often specific. 
a hope is a surrender to whatever happens, but a hope that something good will come out of it. That's hope. And here, Solomon is, is uh, characterizing the difference there between hope and expectation. There's a difference. And now, jumping back to Romans, again, there's many, many more verses we could look at, but I just wanted to pull out a couple as we think about hope. What is hope? It's looking back at what God has done. Romans 15, verse 4, is where we're going next. And this is going to springboard me into talking about waymarks. Romans 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things are written aforetime, let me start over. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for what? Our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have, say it, hope. You see, looking back at the word and the stories from the past give us hope for the future. That's a treasure to hang on to. And the word that I got my title from, through patience. Patient hope. Don't expect hope to happen tomorrow, today. Hope is patient. And continually looks back at what God has done. Glorifying him in anticipation of hope, of things to come. Hope is built on past experiences. So my question I'm asking this morning is how do we build hope? That's what I want to leave with us. That's what I've been asking myself. How do I build hope? Hope is built on past experiences. You know, Ruthie, for me, um, she she has a tough time looking back and hoping for gifts to come in the future. I've failed in some giving some gifts in the past. So when it gets close to her birthday or Valentine's Day, she doesn't have too much hope to look on. But that is not the case with our God. Our God, as we look back, we have a hope to look on. We can look at how, what he, how he worked, what he did, and that gives us hope for the future. Which leads us to my verse about Waymarks. Jeremiah 31, 21 says this. Set thee up waymarks, make thee high heaps, set thine heart toward the highway, even the way which thou wentest. What Jeremiah is saying here, if you go look up Jeremiah 31, he's presenting hope to the Israelites. Remember, he's a prophet. He's warning about things to come. And he says, there is hope, but you got to set up reminders so you can keep the hope. We're humans. We're forgetful. We forget. When we're down in the dungeon... When life gets hard, we forget, and so we lose hope. So we need to set reminders of what God has done in the past so we can build hope. And it can work with our faith. So what are waymarks? A couple waymarks, a couple stories that I want to uh, leave with us. Moses was born, and he grew up in the house of Pharaoh, and then remember, he went out one day, and he killed an Egyptian, and he went to live off with the Midianites. There he found a wife. He's doing, taking care of his sheep, 
And one day, God comes to him and says, hey, Moses, I need you to go back into Egypt. Moses says, sure, I'll go. No, it took a conversation. And as God is, just, is, is uh, having a conversation with Moses at the burning bush, Moses comes to him and says, how will they know that you sent me? And in Exodus chapter 3, this is God's response to Moses. Moses is questioning God. Why? How are they going to know? What's a sign that I can give them? And in Exodus chapter 4 verse 15 he says, And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Moses says, uh, God says to Moses, Moses, just tell them that God sent you, and my name is going to be a reminder, a waymark, a memorial for generations to come of something good. Whenever we think or hear the word God, that should be a reminder to us that we have hope. Back in Exodus, God revealed that to Moses, that he said, my name in and of itself is going to give hope, going to bring hope. It's going to be a memorial for generations to come. Moving on, as Moses is leading the, or ready to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, did Pharaoh let him go? He did not. It took plague after plague. Finally, on the 10th plague, God kills all the firstborn. And what does Pharaoh do? Get out of here. Did the Israelites have anything to do with that? No, it was God. And what did he do? He said, to remember that night, I want you to observe the Passover. So for years to come, the Israelites were setting a reminder to help them remember what God did for them back in Egypt. It wasn't anything that the Israelites did. It was solely God. So again, God wanted the Israelites to set reminders for the big things that God did in the past. Another cool memorial that God wanted the Israelites to set up was when Joshua was leading them. They were ready to enter the land of Canaan. Which river did they have to cross? Jordan. They come to the Jordan River and it's a river. How are they going to cross? God comes to Joshua and says, all right, I want the priest to stand in the river and I'm going to stop the water. Beautiful picture. I, I'd love to be there. The Red Sea or the Jordan River. I'd love to see that. As the, all the Israelites filed across, they get to the other side, and then God speaks to Joshua again. He says, all right, I want you to go at the feet of those 12 priests, and I want you to get 12 stones. And take those 12 stones and set them on the other side of the river. So they can be a memorial for years to come. So they get to the other side of the river, they set up the stones, and the Israelites come to Joshua and they say, Joshua, why 12 stones? Because when our children see that for years to come, we can re be reminded of this day. And we can tell our children of God's goodness. That will build hope in our children. Another memorial that is put in place. Jump ahead to the, the Transfiguration. One more, one more story about a memorial. 
as Jesus calls Peter, James, and John up with him, up to the mountain where, they're, where Jesus is transfigured with Abraham and Moses, do you remember what Peter says? Jesus, I want to build three tabernacles. He wanted to set up a memorial. Do you think that's a good thing? Sure, why not? I look at that and say, why didn't Jesus let him? This is a memorial so people for years to come can remember this big thing that God did. Jesus doesn't even respond to Peter. He continues on with his own thing. That shows me something. That the memorial, the reminder that Peter wanted to put up, the tabernacles, there was a selfish motive there. Imagine that. The disciples built a t three tabernacles on top of the mountain. Oh yeah, that's the place where me, Peter, and James, and John were with, uh, were with Jesus. Memorials can have a selfish motive as well. Be careful with the reminders and the stories of things we point back to in the past. If it is to lift up ourselves, it's pointless. Be careful the stories that we tell our children. If it's lifting ourselves up, you might as well just shut up. If it's to lift God up, then speak him from the hilltop. That's memorials. That's setting a waymark. And why are we setting these memorials? To build hope. So as we talk about stories, our children hear what God has done. And when they get to going through life, ah, oh, I remember what God did. I have hope that he will do it again. That builds hope. There's power in hope. And I trust we saw that this morning as we looked at the verses on hope. As we looked at the, the people setting reminders to remember what God has done. And now quickly, three things. Seeing the power of hope causes us to set waymarks or memorials or reminders. So the question I have for you, for myself, what reminders are you setting? What waymarks are you setting? of the things God is doing in your life. So when life does get hard, you can look back and remember. Because when life gets hard, you lose hope. Number one, waymarks should adore God. The reminders, the things we put in place, they should lift God up. The stories we tell should make God look big and us look small. I've heard many people tell a story about something God did, but I tell you what, it was more about themselves than anything. Oh yeah, I remember that day when I and I and me and, you know, those pronouns are used a little too much. Be careful with the stories and memorials you set in place. Check your motives. Our memorials, our waymarks should adore God. And when we adore God, when we make him look big, that makes us look small. Secondly, memorials adjust us. So first of all, memorials need to adore God. Secondly, memorials adjust us. They put our thoughts elsewhere. You see, when I stop and look at something God did in the past, I say, wow, that was all God. That was not me. It makes me look small. And in the moment of pain, of trial, I say, you know what, I got this. Because it's not about me, it's about God. And it gives me hope for what he will do. I had an acquaintance who whenever something happens in his life, 
he takes out his phone and he writes it down and he sends an email to himself and he has a folder of emails of stories what God is doing in his life how God is providing and then what he does he circles back and he tells them to his children wow that's powerful what I want us to remember is we think about memorials waymarks things God is doing it adores God it adjusts us it puts us in our place and we need to write it down we need to reflect we need to take quiet time to see ask or see what God is doing to write it down thirdly Memorials affect our children, or if you don't have children, affect others you come in contact with. You see, when God is big and we are small, that puts everything in perspective, and people want to be a part of that. And when our children hear us telling stories of what God is doing, they want to be a part of that for years to come. So memorials, good way marks, affect our children, affect others. Parents, tell stories often, and not to make you look good, but to wow your children of what God is doing. Don't expect them just to know it by observing it in family life and coming to church. They need to hear specific stories of how God is big. And you might be asking, what if I don't have stories? Then maybe we need to take more steps of faith. I'm concerned with the culture, the independent affluence that we have, that we, we have all, all the insurances and everything around us, that we don't need to trust anything or have faith. And you as a family, there's some things we need to step out in faith. No, that doesn't mean living precariously, oh, I have faith that God will provide. No, there's an element, there's a balance. But we live in a culture where we have everything around us. We don't need to have faith and trust. And if we don't have faith and trust, we're not going to build stories of what God is doing. So families, take steps of faith and trust so you can build stories to build hope in your children. Set waymarks to build faith wherever you are. Good waymarks adore God, they adjust us, and they affect our children. Now, circling back to the treasure, you're wondering, did I find anything? You see, I didn't find anything. We dug up the back part of our house with an excavator, and we even took extra precaution to do it carefully. <laughs> and we spent some other, more time looking. We didn't find anything. So the only thing is our basement walls. So if you have a metal detector, let me know. They're, they're spray foaming tomorrow, so our, our time frame is short. As I thought about the hope that I had as I looked for that treasure, that hope's fading <laughs> really, really fast. That is not our God. When we put hope in things around us, it fades away. But when we hope in what God has done, we can have hope for the future. It's not a treasure. It's more than a treasure. Set way marks up to build hope. Now the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. And in your word, we find hope. In what you've done, we find hope. And I pray that as we live our lives, faith and hope would tie together. We take steps of faith, and that builds hope of what you will do. And as we go through life, help us to record the stories of how you're working in our life so that we can share it with others and so we can build our hope for the future. Thank you for speaking to us. In your name we pray. Amen.